Just a warning that the following episode contains details of domestic violence, including sexual violence. A listener production. Hello, it's Antoinette Latouf with you. What do you picture when you think of domestic violence? I'll tell you what quickly comes to mind for me. It's a woman with black eyes and she's probably cowering in the corner and the perpetrator, as I imagine it, is likely to be a middle-aged man. What about you? Maybe it's the couple you see in public, they might be drunk and his abuse is loud and aggressive and you get the sense that this sort of thing happens a lot. This week on The Briefing, as part of a special investigation into domestic violence, we're going to challenge a lot of these stereotypes. At the moment, all major crime trends are decreasing, which is good news, except for domestic violence and sexual assault. Over the next few days, in a briefing special, you'll hear from women who've never shared their stories, including a victim survivor whose abuser was her husband and also a police officer. I can imagine that a lot of members would think that they could get away with it. It's just the mentality. No one will report me because I'm in a authoritative environment. And there's also growing concern about how porn is influencing domestic violence. Where it became an issue was when it was crossing over into the bedroom and made me feel uncomfortable. And I know this doesn't make for easy listening, but I promise there'll be solutions and you'll walk away understanding that we all have a role to play and you'll be equipped with a few things you can do yourself. When it comes to crime trends in Australia, domestic and sexual violence bucks the trend. Claire Weaver is Listener's Investigations Editor and she has some, I'm going to say it, peculiar hobbies because one of them is trawling through crime data in her spare time. Claire, thanks for joining us. Some people enjoy yoga or long walks on the beach in their spare time, but you're no cliche. So tell me, what did you find in your crime trawl? Hi, Antoinette. Yes, I am a total nerd. I will own that. So I was going through New South Wales Bureau of Crime Statistics and Research data uh, over five years, and it looked at all the major crimes and helpfully marked them in green and red. Now, all the major crimes were marked in green and had dropped except for two of them, which stood out in red, and they were domestic violence and sexual assault. Assaults. They were bucking the trend and had increased. Yeah, wow. And do you think this is an anomaly? It's just a New South Wales experience? So to find that answer, I went looking in the ABS data for all the other states and territories, and I found the same thing. We're looking at victims of domestic violence-related sexual assaults, and they had increased across the board. So Queensland had a very substantial jump of 59% over that same time period. New South Wales, 35%. WA, 20%. Northern Territory 16%, Victoria 12% and South Australia 7%. Now, with the ACT in Tasmania, we're dealing with smaller populations Mm. compared to other states, but they have each recorded huge jumps. In the ACT, it was 54% and in Tasmania, 201%, which is just huge. And could this in part, I wonder, be a good thing because it shows that there's more awareness, more people are talking about it, and as a result, more people are reporting it? Absolutely. And that's an important part of the picture. So much work has been done in this space. So people are more inclined to report, which is great, but it's not the whole picture. All the experts I've spoke to have said there is also an increase. And I'm interested in particular how this may play out among young people, because there are a lot of sort of stereotypes about who the perpetrator and victim is of domestic violence. Absolutely. And look, the data tells us that the highest rates are in young people and and it's very young. It's under 18 or, or early 20s. And what the frontline workers are saying is that that young people today are exposed to porn a lot more uh, and at a younger age than ever, and that is actually shaping their expectations when it comes to sex. 
Some of this porn is explicit, violent, misogynistic and, and aggressive and young people report they feel pressure to reenact some of these acts when they get into a relationship even if they don't mm. want to. And I know often the research takes a while to catch up but there is a slowly a body of research that's growing that's linking the role of porn and domestic violence. Absolutely, there is. And another thing I heard from frontline workers was that they're seeing a rise in really disturbing injuries, um, choking, strangulation injuries, which can actually have long-term impact on your brain and also really distressing internal injuries that end up in emergency departments. Listeners Investigations Editor Claire Weaver there. Two women have decided to share their stories for the first time. Both experienced years of violence at the hands of people they loved and trusted and porn played a role. Monique, which is not her real name, was just 14 when her then-boyfriend started abusing her. Monique, thanks for your time and being so open about such a harrowing experience in your life. Can you describe the domestic violence you experienced? Basically, um, it was a range of different things from like coercive control, emotional uh, abuse and blackmail um, to sexual assault, rape and physical abuse. Your boyfriend, as I understand, was about the same age as you, and that was, you know, 14 or 15. And at the time he watched a lot of porn. How do you think that impacted the abuse you suffered? I sort of wasn't completely aware of it at the time. It's something that occurred to me later on. I mean, when I asked what he was doing, um, he said that he was copying things that he'd seen in porn. So looking back on that now as an adult, I can only imagine the kind of pornography that that he would have been copying to be doing that kind of behaviour. It wouldn't have been um, like the main cause of the violence and the sexual abuse, but it was definitely influencing his actions. And was it hard to accept that domestic violence, you know, could impact someone so young? I mean, you were 14 at the time and that, that it could include sexual violence given that you'd also had a consensual sexual relationship with him? Yeah, yeah, it was really difficult. I think at the time I felt like because I had said yes to the relationship, that I had said yes to anything that he would do within that relationship. Like, I felt responsible for that. Like, I had signed up for something that I didn't completely understand. There are a lot of times when um, when I said that I wasn't comfortable with something or if I said I, I tried to stop what was happening, he would call me frigid um, mm-hmm. or he would say that, you know, I was I was supposed to like it or that if I loved him, I would do this. And, and then he would also... Um, have a lot of emotional problems as well and sort of say things like if I left him, he would kill himself. And so I felt very stuck um, and, and really, but really not understanding what was going on. Mm. I, I sort of felt really responsible in the relationship because it's what I had signed up for and, and I didn't want any of those horrible things to happen to him. And, and yeah, it was just a really difficult situation to be in, I think, and especially at such a young age when I ha- had no understanding of what a, a healthy relationship should really look like as well as not feeling like I can really go to anyone to talk about it. Yes. So at the time, did you know what domestic violence looked like or have much of a concept of it to identify it? Not at all. I I had no idea that abuse and violence could happen within a relationship and with someone you knew. Mm. Um, I think, you know, especially 20 years ago, we were sort of taught stranger danger and Um, You know, don't get into vans with old men and don't take candy from strangers and that Mm. kind of thing. I really had no understanding that that kind of thing can happen in a relationship or um, with someone that you know. Um, I knew him for a year before any of this started. So, I, yeah, I had no idea that that was possible. And do you think there's much discussion about 
the role sexual violence plays in domestic violence? Because it it sounds as though it took you several years until you reflected back and realised, okay, that was a form of the violence and porn played a role in that too. Yeah, I think um, people often see it as separate, um, but I think they often coexist, unfortunately, and understanding of that happening in between um, really young relationships as well. I, I think people, when they think about domestic violence, they think about married couples or when they think about sexual abuse or sexual assault, they think about, you know, older men in positions of authority taking advantage of children. And so even even now as I'm, I'm processing through all of this and, and what I experienced, I find it really hard to find information about the kind of experience that I had. Um, and it really wasn't until... Um, Chanel Contos came out with her Teach Us Consent campaign that I realised that it had happened to so many people and, you know, it makes me really angry. But um, at least I sort of felt a little bit more validated in what I experienced because up until then I just thought, like, you know, just something was wrong with me and I just couldn't deal with, handle the situation properly mm-hmm. and, I, you know, I'd, I'd done something wrong. That was a woman we're calling Monique. She's not the only one who's seen the accessibility and influence porn has had on sexual violence in relationships. Rachel is a victim survivor advocate and runs a service for women and young people called the Lakahi Foundation. Rachel, thanks for sharing your experience with us, which I know included physical abuse, emotional abuse, financial abuse, but it's the sexual violence and abuse that in some ways impacted you the most. Can you tell me what it was like for you? We started off in our relationship with a pretty healthy sexual relationship. But what I found quite early on was that there were parts of that relationship that I didn't feel comfortable with, things like being pinned down, things like having hands around my throat and had to find the strength to speak up about those. And and I feel like that was easier early on in that relationship before the coercive control had really taken place. But certainly... Uh, what I realised was that a lot of those uncomfortable situations had come from porn. How much porn was your then partner watching? Do you, like, do you know that? I, I don't think I knew at the start how much porn he had watched previously and, mm. and did watch when, you know, when I wasn't with him. Certainly it wasn't long before I discovered that it was a regular part of his life and sex life. Mm. Um, and and I didn't necessarily have a huge issue with that. You know, everybody has different uh, sexual tastes and that's fine. I think where it became an issue was when it was crossing over into the bedroom and made me feel uncomfortable. For the majority of the relationship, I was expected to talk dirty. Mm. And if I didn't do that, there was either no sex or I was told that I was really boring and the more pressure somebody puts on you to talk dirty, the less you actually want to do that. You feel this pressure to do those things and it actually turns you off Mm. sexually. Um, And it got to the point in the last few years of our relationship where our sex life was almost non-existent and what he did was use sex as a tool of manipulation and control. So he would withhold sex as a form of control and tell me, that I was so unattractive, I was so weak, and the only way he could possibly find me attractive was to watch porn at the same time. So now in in the support work you do, are people having these sorts of conversations about the way sexual violence plays out within domestic violence? Occasionally. 
but certainly not enough. Um, and we know that we've had clients with us for um, two and a half years and only after a couple of years will they talk about the sexual violence that occurred within their relationship. We still feel that there's a huge taboo around that, a huge taboo around talking about um, sexual abuse and violence at all, but just in talking about sex in general. And they just don't feel comfortable. And I don't think that most people understand the level of sexual abuse and sexual violence that occurs within relationships. I think they are concerned to call it out. If somebody you're in a relationship with physically assaults you, you know and you can say they physically assaulted you. Whether you choose to do anything about that mm. or leave is, is totally different. But you know what it is and you call it out. With sexual violence in relationships, I think we're much less keen to call it out. We just, we feel ashamed. And so many of the limited conversations that we are hearing around this is generally around heterosexual relationships with male perpetrators. What's your understanding of how this may play out in, in queer relationships? I actually believe that it's it's far worse in queer relationships, much more likely to have sexual abuse and, and violence occurring and much more likely to um, put their partners under pressure to be using porn and also to bring in third parties and really putting pressure to accept mm. the, the third party without that consent. What can we do to help young people in particular navigate sexual relationship and identify when it is domestic violence? I think it's got to start and end with education. I think we have to start educating our young ones about sex, what it is. I really feel that we need to be starting that education from early ages of primary school. And, you know, we don't have to talk about sex in when we're talking to kindergarten children, but we have to start talking about respectful relationships and consent. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where it starts. And then building on that year after year, these aren't conversations that should be happening in year five or six as a one-off and that's it. It's never touched on again. These things change and I think certainly by the time our children are in high school, this is something that we should be building on every year, checking in with the children, making sure there's safe people for them to talk to if they do have any issues, but really making them understand that, you know, pornography can be okay to watch but it doesn't necessarily portray what a healthy mm. sexual relationship looks like and if that's what you're forming your basis of sex on, you're going to end up in a really awful situation. Victim survivor advocate Rachel sharing her story with you there. Tomorrow on The Briefing, how can police protect domestic violence victims when there's a perpetrator in their ranks? You'll hear from an extraordinary woman who speaks out for the first time. She details what happens when she tried to report the abuse she suffered for years at the hands of her husband, who was a cop, when she reported it to his colleagues in the police force. If you or someone you know is experiencing family violence, phone 1800RESPECT, which is available 24-7. For counselling and support for men who have anger, relationship or parenting issues, there's the Men's Referral Service on 1300 766 491. Listener.